Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. So uh, Dr. Pratt had called himself a, a stunt double for, uh, for Tony Morita over at IDC, and I, I guess I felt the need to share a story uh, there are folks who have asked me, uh, since I've been here at Southeastern, why do I wear bow ties? And I've said that there are a couple of reasons for why I wear a bow tie uh, from time to time. One is that uh, I'm reminded of the fact that I did not uh, bring myself here of my own doing. Uh, that there are many folks that have walked this road before me uh, that have paved the way for people like me and generations after me uh, to be able to uh, stand in a place like like here at Southeastern and be able to uh, be able to teach and all of these things and a lot of them wore bow ties back in the day and so I wear a bow tie to kind of remind myself that I didn't just show up. I didn't just arrive, but we have folks like even here on this campus, like a Dr. Logan Carson and several others who have walked the road before me, and I always want to be mindful of that. I said there's a second reason, and that is one day I was walking into uh, Ledford, and when I was about at the door, I heard a voice behind me that said, Dr. Strickland! And so I decided that I was going to help you all out a little bit by wearing bow ties. So, um, so just to let you know, I am grateful to be here uh, along with the Strickland family. Uh, it is so great to be here this morning. <laughs> Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. When you're there, say, I'm there. there. All right, all right. Matthew 23. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, uh, beginning at verse 1. Matthew 23, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do, because they don't practice what they teach. Let's pray and ask that the Lord would give us wisdom and instruction as we hear his word, and that he would give us grace to heed his word. Let's pray. We need you, Father. Oh, we need you. Every hour, we need you. And so it is appropriate, even in this hour, that we would come before the one who speaks these words and ask for your grace to help in the time of need. Help us, Lord, to hear this. And Lord, I pray that this would not uh, take the fast route from one ear in and out the other, but Lord, I pray that this would go exactly where you intend for it to go, that it would go deep into uh, the recesses of our souls. 
I pray, Lord, that you would raise up a people here at Southeastern that go beyond mere talk, but that we would actually be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone that is here today or anyone that's listening uh, to this via uh, the internet or wherever else this is being trans, uh, uh, trans, uh, transmitted and so on, Lord, I pray that you would uh, work in the hearts of those who are listening that don't know Christ. That, Father, their impression of the church is not that it's full of hypocrites, that they would hear and, and, and this word and, and, and know the very heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they would become a part of the people that he is shaping and forming by the power of your grace. Lord, we ask big things because you're a big God and you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So we pray that you would indeed move among us work in us, and as we go from here, work through us, that we may be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. The other day, I was in line at the drive through at one of the banks nearby, and the guy in front of me was taking a little bit longer than I would like. And that gave me time to, for my mind to wander, to look around, and, and whatever caught my eye, I'd just stare at it for a little bit, and just passing time. And I noticed on his license plate something that I had never seen before until that day. It was a North Carolina plate, and right under the number, right under his license plate number, was a saying. And the saying went like this, to be rather than to seem. How many of y'all have seen that before? I've never seen that until I was in line at the bank there looking at this guy's license plate. And so, because he was still doing his thing I, and I still had plenty of time, I pulled out my phone and I Googled it because I just wanted to know where in the world did that come from? I've never seen that on a plate before. And as I did, I realized uh, a couple of things, learned a few things. I learned that in 1893, the state of North Carolina adopted this as the state motto. This is the state motto for North Carolina, to be rather than to seem. It comes from, uh, it's kind of an abbreviated form of a line from Cicero, uh, the Roman Cicero. He wrote an essay called On Friendship. And this is a loose translation, but the, the, the line essentially says, not nearly so many people want actually to be possessed of virtue as want to appear to be possessed of it. And so this uh, abbreviated phrase, to be rather than to seem, is really a cry for virtue. It's a call to virtue. And just as important as that call was in Cicero's day, just as important as that call was in the late 1800s for our state here in North Carolina, it is just as important for us in this day in 2023 to be rather than to seem. The Latin phrase is esse quam videri. 
That's all of the Latin that I know. But, but, that's, but that'll work for today. Esse quam videri, to be rather than to seem. Think of our day. Think about little sayings that, that are just common in our, in our world today. You know, fake it till you make it. Y'all ever heard that before? Fake it till you make it. Uh, how about images everything? What about, maybe you've heard this from your parents, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. You do realize that all of these are essential, essentially phrases and slogans for hypocrisy, right? Do as I say, not as I do. What, what about uh, in our pop culture? You know, we reward people for being fake. We give them these little awards. We call them Oscars and Emmys, right? We, we reward people for, for make-believe, for pretending to be something that they're not. By the way, the word hypocrite actually comes from the world of theater, of Greek theater. And that's what a hypocrite was. A hypocrite was a person who would put on a mask, whether it be the smiley face mask, that would be the good guy, whether it be the frowny face mask, that would be the bad guy. And they would wear these masks and they would pretend to be something that they're not. The person was called a hypocrites. That's where we get this. Uh, we are bombarded in our culture with false advertising. There's a Netflix uh, documentary called Pepsi Wears My Jet. Y'all, have y'all seen this? Pepsi Wears My Jet. It's a, it's a documentary about a person who watched an old commercial from Pepsi. I believe it was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was some type of thing where if you buy enough Pepsis and so on, you get the little sticker, and if you turn in the sticker, you can get a prize. And at the end of the commercial, they, they wheel in a, a jet, a fighter jet. And the guy said, well, there was no fine print on all of this, and so I take this to be a guarantee that if we have enough Pepsis, then we give in enough of these little stickers, and I will get myself a fighter jet. And so he actually sued Pepsi for false advertising because they said that they would give you a fighter jet, and I, Pepsi, where's my jet? That's the whole point of the documentary. False advertising is all around us. Go to Amazon and you want a shirt from Amazon. It looks great in the picture. And then you get it and it's the size of a toddler, <laughs> right? And you just go, what, what is this? You know, it's, it's false advertising. That's what it is. Uh, of course, we do this in our own personal lives too. Any of y'all ever used a photo filter? Oh, oh, oh we, we're, we're getting a little close to home here, aren't we? Um, you, you take a picture and you look at yourself and go, uh, and so what do you do? You know, you add a few sparkles, you kind of airbrush it a little bit and all of this, and now, there we go, now it's presentable, pretending to be something that we're not, see? To seem rather than to be. Uh, we pose for pictures, and then we have the audacity to put it on, be real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
We've got virtue signaling and these folks that are, that, are, that, are, that are fighting for this cause and this is the most important thing of our day. And, and you know that half of the people that say that don't believe it. They're just jumping on the bandwagon and doing, uh, fighting for whatever the cause is, but they don't have convictions for these causes. They're just pretending to have convictions for these causes. We just seem to be in a world that is overrun with seeming rather than being. Ministry can be like that too. Oh yeah, you can fake it. It's so easy. Just say the right amount of Christianese. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing? Oh, blessed of the Lord, blessed of the Lord. It's so good to see. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Mm, amen. Mm, hallelujah. And, and we just, we talk and we just say these little cliche things, right? How you doing? Mm, you know, the Lord is good. <laughs> but do you really believe that? Is that really where your heart is right now? You know, we need to follow Jesus, so you say. But are you actually following Jesus? We exist here for the mission, but are we really about the mission? How many churches say they're about the mission, but you look through what is actually done and you realize they're really about branding, they're really about marketing to seem rather than to be. Folks, you are here studying so that you can go out and fulfill the Great Commission in your neighborhood and across the nations. And God forbid that you leave from here and go into these places seeming rather than being. That you leave from here and, and you've got all the theology, you've done your exegetical work, you've, you've learned history and philosophy and all of these things, and then you leave from here and pretend to be something that you're not. Pretend to follow Jesus. It can happen. You can have busy days where you're serving in ministry. And all of a sudden, you realize, pastor, that you've got a sermon you haven't prepared for yet and you have not gotten alone with the Lord and you have not meditated on his scriptures and and you're hoping for that Saturday night special to come down from up from on high and so that you can preach this word and at least make it through this Sunday oh it's easy to pretend it's easy for you to go with your spouse and with your kids and show up in church and be the squeaky clean family. Meanwhile, the foundation has cracks in it. But you can fake it. The Pharisees did the same thing. Jesus addresses them, or at least he talks about them here in chapter 23 of Matthew. In chapter 22, he just went through a gauntlet of theological hot-button issues, 
right? He, I mean, they're, they're just dumping everything at him. What do you think about taxes, right? What, uh, if a lady marries seven husbands and, 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 and then she dies, whose wife is she in the, in the age to come? You know, just all these things that they're throwing at Jesus, and, and he's just going through every single one of them, not even with a scratch. That's why I love him, because you can't trip him up with these stupid little debates and all of that. And, and, and the, by the time they're done, they're thinking, well, we, we're just going to have to kill him. Uh, that's exactly how 22 ends. They're like, we, we, can't, we can't trip him up with his own words or anything, so we're just going to have to kill him. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees, that's where they were at the end of chapter 22. And Jesus decides that he is going to take, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, his last sermon, his last public sermon to talk about what true Christian ministry leadership is all about. He's going to use the scribes and Pharisees as a contrast because they were all about seeming and not being. But he's going to say to them, and he's going to say to us, that if we are going to be serious about following Jesus, and if we're going to be serious about leading others to follow Jesus, we must not just be about the words of Jesus, we also have to be about the way of Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must go beyond merely seeming to follow him to actually being a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what he teaches us here. So let's look at this. Matthew 23, the first thing that he teaches us very simply is that we ought to beware the hypocrisy of some ministry leaders. We ought to beware the hypocrisy of some ministry leaders. Now, I know in 2023, that, that little adjective, some, might get in the way for some people because their mindset, all ministry leaders are hypocrites. But that is not what Jesus says, nor is it in line with reality. There are people who are legitimately following Jesus and doing it very, very well. Amen? But we also must be aware and not try to fight the tribal game. We got to be honest with the fact that there are some ministry leaders that are not following Jesus. They're leading churches, but they're not following Jesus. And that's what he says here. He says to the crowds and to the, church, uh, to the disciples, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. Before we move on, just stop and reflect on that. I perhaps need to have a word for, for our deconstructing friends, uh, for those who are looking at ministry leadership and they see hypocrisy among the ranks and and all of this and they're tempted to go away from the faith jesus here says hey it is possible to acknowledge hypocrisy but it is still out of bounds to abandon the faith altogether do you see that he says what they're saying is true they're speaking Moses. They're teaching Torah. They're going through the scriptures. Listen to what they say, but don't do as they do. Perhaps that's where we got the adage, do as I say, not as I do. Well, we are to beware the, the, the hypocrisy of ministry leaders. Why? Well, first thing we see in this passage is that they say, but they don't do. You see that? He says that uh, in uh, the end of verse 3. For they preach, but they do not practice. 
They preach, but they do not practice. They say all the right things. Folks, it is possible to have all of your theological ducks in a row. It's possible that you got the text absolutely right. And you can still be absolutely wrong. Because what he said, you don't do. Oh, you tell people the right things. You preach a good sermon. I can literally right now be preaching my heart out to you and not do anything that the Lord is saying. Do you, do you realize how terrifying that is? That the very words that are coming out of my mouth could be condemning me. And the words that are coming out of your mouths could condemn you if you don't do what he says. They say, but they don't do. And secondly, they burden others, but not themselves. Look at verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders. Think of the adage. You've got, you've got this, all this luggage here, right? You've got all this luggage, and they're stuffing it and stepping on it and pushing it down and all this, and they get the zipper on there, and they, they stack another one on top and push that down, and they tie it all together, pick it up. Here, carry this. <laughs> That's what they do. Here, you carry that burden. That's for you to, 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 to hold down. That's for you to do. You want to follow the Lord, right? And here are all the things that you've got to do. But then he says, in verse 4, they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. We would say today, they're throwing burdens on people that they would never lift their fingers for. Do you know that type of leadership exists? Burdening the people with more and more and more and more. If you were in their shoes, would you want to do that? If you were in their shoes, would you want somebody treating you that way? If you were in their shoes, wouldn't you cry out to God too? If you were in their shoes, wouldn't you have some mental health issues? And yet we look at it as ministry leaders and we say, you want to follow Jesus, don't you? How wicked. They burden others, but not themselves. They disregard other people's needs. They disregard people's concerns. All they care about are themselves. You know that because that's exactly where he goes in verse 5. Look what he says. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They say but don't do. They burden others, not themselves. And then they have the nerve to exalt themselves before everybody else. Look what he says. Look how it how it shows up. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They're, they're all about their presentation. I know, I'm in a suit and a bow tie, but, but yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're all about, I should have worn a t-shirt and jeans or something. Um, the Aiken Crocs. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> 
But notice, notice what they do. They, they, they take these phylacteries. You know what a phylactery is. A phylactery is a little box, and inside the box they have Torah written in really, really, really tiny font. But they've got Torah, and because in Deuteronomy 6 it says that, that they're to, uh, to write the law of God on their foreheads and so on. And so they take a little box, and they, they take a little string, and they tie it around and all that. But here these folks are, almost like 1980s uh, uh, break dancers. With, they've got these boombox-sized phylacteries that they're walking around going, yeah, what's up? You know, I've, you know who I am, don't you? Yeah, you know, I got Torah here, large print. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what they're doing. They're walking around with these phylacteries, these big old things, and they make their fringes long. Today we would say they're the ones who have the clerical collars, but the clerical collars like go all the way down to like halfway down their chest, you know, to let everybody know. They've got sequins on their collars and, 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 and LED lights flashing and all of this to say, hey, I'm religious. That's what they do. It's all about the presentation. They want everybody to see that they are pious. You go, well, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like that, you know, or anything. Well, uh, you sure about that? Do you want to be seen? Do you do your performative righteousness? To show everybody just how good of a Christian you are. When was the last time you served somebody? Period. Didn't tell anybody. Didn't snap a selfie. You know, or anything. When was the last time that you helped someone in need and you didn't look for any type of kickback? That's what the Pharisees hated. Everything they did, they needed the kickback for. They, they, did, they, they, they cared about their presentation, as you see there with their clothing. They also cared about their admiration, as it says in verse 6. They love the place of honor at feasts and, and the best seats in the marketplaces or in the synagogues. And, and verse 7, they, they not only care about their admiration, but their designation. It says they wanted greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Rabbi, you know, they say it like that. Rabbi, you know, and so they're going all around the place, and they got to have the best seats. Y'all remember old school Baptist life when you got the thrones. Remember the thrones, you know, that, that would sit on the platform, and, and, and you would sit there with your goblet, you know, and, and all of that. I remember being in a church where that was like that. I was sitting at, a, at um, it was this church I was preaching at, and it was a traditional church, and I remember I was sitting, and I, and I had my seat and everything, and they asked if I wanted some water, and I had a bottled water uh, that was sitting right there, and I said, yeah, thank you, and so I grabbed the bottled water, and the guy stopped me and was like, no, 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 no. He grabs this goblet, takes the bottled water, pours it in the goblet, and serves me with it, and I'm like, thanks. I mean, I could have just drunk from the bottle water, you know, and all of that. But, but, but that's, that's how it was. That was the way it was. Everybody that walked up to the platform, they would say, good morning, church. Good morning, sister so-and-so. And they would turn around, good morning, pastor. You know, and all of this. And everybody did that. And it was just like, 
okay, what's up? <laughs> this, this, is, this is not my thing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't do this, you know, but, but that's how they did it. And if you're not careful and, and watching over your heart and examining your soul, you will fall for it too. Oh, it's so good to be loved, isn't it? It's good to be fawned over, right? Oh, you're the best preacher I've ever heard. That was the best sermon. And, and some of us, you know, we, you know we, we hear that and we go, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah. One thing somebody told me, and it's just stuck in my head all these years. They said, if they tell you that it was the best sermon that they've ever heard, they're lying to you. And if they tell you it was the worst sermon they've ever heard, they're still lying to you. Most of us are somewhere in the middle, right? It was an okay sermon, and that's fine. But don't let the, let the, let the, um, the syrup <laughs> get to your head. Uh, for one, you know, you'll get a sugar high, and that's not good. We sit here and we hear all of this and we go, oh my goodness, you know, I, I, you're sitting in the best seats and I got to be greeted by, with the best greetings. They need to know that I'm, that I'm a Southeasterner. <laughs> yeah. You go to Southeastern Sunday morning. You show up at church. Do people know that you go to Southeastern? Do they know it because you told them? Hey, you know, I should be teaching this small group. After all, I go to Southeastern. <laughs> hey, you need somebody, you need somebody to, to do this? I, 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 can, I, can, I can preach this Sunday, Pastor, while you're gone. I go to Southeastern. <laughs> Nursery? <laughs> I go to Southeastern. <laughs> Do you see how we can use these as titles, status? It's not that being called a rabbi was a bad thing. If you're teaching the scriptures in a synagogue, you're, you're a rabbi. It's when that becomes your identity. It's like an old... Uh, preacher that I heard before said uh, about seminary students, he said, it takes years to get a degree, and it takes a lifetime to get over it. Hmm. That's a good word. That's a good word. Yeah. You spend all this time working for this degree, and now you think you should get like a pedestal or something. This is where I belong. This is who I am. No, this isn't who you are. This is what you did, but what you did isn't who you are to be rather than to seem. So we must beware the hypocrisy of some ministry leaders. But what's the alternative? Where do we go from here? Well, this is the rest of the, of the teaching here. Thank God that, that our Lord Jesus didn't stop there, but he actually showed us the way to go with this. Uh, we're going to beware the hypocrisy of some ministry leaders 
we must also positively embrace humility as servant leaders. We are to embrace humility as servant leaders. Look what he says, starting in verse 8. He says, but you are not to be called rabbi. They love being called rabbi, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. In other words, if we're going to embrace humility as servant leaders, how do we do that? Well, first things first, we've got to live like God is the ultimate authority. We've got to live like God is the ultimate authority. Recognize all these titles, rabbi, father, teacher, they're all good titles. But if that's who you are and that's how you seek to, to identify yourself and in this world and in the church and all of that, you are usurping the place of the one rabbi and father and teacher that we have, and that is our Lord. God is our Father, so nobody should be going around saying, you ought to call me Father. And I know that we have whole denominations that call ministry leaders Father and so on. And I believe that from what we see in the Scriptures, they are out of bounds. There is one Father, and it is God. And if you want people to look at you as the source of their spiritual growth and spiritual strength and so on, if you want to be called teacher when the Lord Jesus is rabbi and teacher, and you want people to look at you as the one instructor and Bible teacher, slapping your name on Bibles and slapping your face on books and all of these different things so that people look at you and say, you are the one who teaches what is true and what is right and so on you are out of bounds that is not why you're here and that is not why we go we are here to make much of jesus and we are here to go and make much of jesus out there to our neighbors and to the nations you are not here as the ultimate authority. No, he is the ultimate authority. So where does that leave you? Well, if we're to live like God is the ultimate authority, then we are also then to live like service is the ultimate greatness. Service is ultimate greatness. Look what he says in verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servants. Service is what greatness looks like. You want to be great in the kingdom? Get down on your hands and knees and serve. Because there's where greatness is. How do we know that? Well, it's because of what he says in the rest of them. Verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever, exalt, or whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We live like God's the ultimate authority. We live like service is ultimate greatness, and we live like the humble will ultimately be exalted. Why is service greatness? Because there are the ones that the Lord is going to exalt on the last day. How do I know that? How do I know that that's true? Because I see the one who's talking. 
Our Lord Jesus, who was sitting in the throne of heaven, being worshipped by the angels and adored by all the heavenly creatures, he did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to, to be grasped and clung to, but rather he let it all go, relinquished it all, and came down, left the creator comforts of heaven to come down and experience life as a creature here on earth, fully God and fully man. He didn't live in the penthouse. He lived in the house of Joseph and Mary who could only afford turtle doves. That would be your Dollar Tree sacrifice that they could give to the father when he was born. They, they couldn't afford much, and he lived the life of a pauper. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he walked this life with us unassuming. Nobody looked upon him, Isaiah, sa Isaiah says, and saw him as anything but just a regular guy. And yet that regular guy who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on a cross, is the one whom God therefore highly exalted and gave the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, this one has already paved the way and showed us what greatness is all about. So you then can lay down your life here on earth and trust that the one who laid down his life and yet still stands is able to see your life laid down and raise you up in the last day. You don't have to clamor for attention. You don't have to be desperate for people to look at you. That's not what ministry is. Ministry is laying your life down. Will they notice you? Maybe. If they don't, it's all good because the one who laid down his life for me sees me and he's going to raise me up in the last day. The humble will be exalted. If you're here and you're already buttering yourself up and saying, oh, I can't wait to be, you know, the next great thing. I remember I was working in the admissions office when I was a student at Southwestern. There was a student that was there. I was reading their admission uh, testimonies and all of this, and I got to the call of ministry, and this one guy said, I feel that God has called me to be the uh, future president of the SBC. Everything in me wanted to say, deny he may, he may be, you know, uh, clamoring and causing trouble to this day. I don't know. But, but if so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's what your goals are? How about this? Call the ministry. I'm here to die. <laughs> I'm here to lay down my life. Wherever you want me to serve, like a seed, bury me in the ground that life may sprout up. Is that your call to ministry? If that's your call to ministry, then seeming isn't going to do. If that's your call to ministry, then you got to get beyond seeming to being. Being what? Being a humble, faithful follower of Jesus. That is what true ministry looks like. So enough with the seeming. Southeastern,
Let's get to being with the Lord's help. Let's pray. So, Father, would you please go before us? Kill the pride that is in us, Lord. Help us to see Jesus in all of his radiance and beauty. And may we, with him, take up our crosses. Father, we live in a world where it just seems so easy to climb up on a pedestal when you're calling us to, call, to climb up on a cross. Father, I pray that you would guard our hearts well. Help us to see what true ministry is all about. Help us to serve others well. Help us to serve you well. That, our, that we would help as best as we can with your spirit in us and through us. That we would help shape a people who are not known for hypocrisy, but who are known for genuine, servant-hearted Christianity. May we get beyond seeming. May we get to being. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.